to Weird Sisters, your Discworld recap podcast. My name is Manning, joining me is Liz. Hi. Unfortunately, Danny is not available this time, but we will carry on without her. Now we just need one where you two record an episode without me and we'll have evened things out. Oh yeah, and we'd have to split up all the hosting duties, so hopefully we don't ever have to do that. <laughs> this month we are recapping Mort, fourth in the series. First in the Death subseries. Liz, what did you think of this book? I I really liked it. I'll start with that. But whereas with um, the previous three books where I felt like I liked each of them more and more and more, this one I feel like I'm just like I've plateaued with this one in equal rights. Like I like them about the same, which is not a bad thing at all. But I'm inclined to agree. I know that the fandom has largely settled on Mort as being where the series gets good, but I think Equal Rights is about on par with it. Yeah, and I can totally see where people would be like, okay, yeah, this is like a good, consistent piece of literature, because it's definitely the most typical, I think, in the way it's written. Um, And it's got fewer meandering parts than the previous three books do. But I think Equal Rights was still fantastic. Definitely a very solid plot structure in this one. I think Terry Pratchett was on the record saying that Mort was the first one that had an actual plot integral to the book. Yeah, I can totally definitely see that where he would say that. Yeah, that makes sense. Before we go into the summary, then, do we think that this is a good introduction to the series? I think so. I think if this is like your first introduction to death, who has obviously appeared in the series before and will appear again. I think this is a good way to get to know him. Part of me is like, oh, you should definitely go read those ones too. I think it could go 50-50. So I think let's err on the side of giving the spoiler warning this time. All right. So, spoiler warning. This has been the spoiler warning. The summary comes to us as always from the secret extra sister who sits in a purple tree in the realm beyond time. Mort opens with the titular character, an intelligent but somewhat useless son of a farmer, as he becomes an apprentice to death. In his new master's private world, Mort meets Death's adopted daughter Isabel and his manservant Alfred before beginning what Death calls the duty. The way his job works, Death has to visit a small number of specific people every day in accordance with metaphysical nodes of vague but vital function. Mort demonstrates an aptitude for self-collecting, but botches the job by saving Princess Kelly, Monarch of Stolot. Death has been enjoying his newfound free time and doesn't notice this mistake, but reality does. History itself begins to close in on the princess, attempting to correct Mort's mistake while he searches for a solution. Eventually, Mort brings Kelly and the wizard Cutwell to Death's domain, prompting a duel between master and apprentice. In the end, Death spares Mort and sorts things out with the gods to let the princess live. Mort and Isabel get married, Kelly makes them Duke and Duchess of Stowe Hellet, and Death returns to his duty. So, overall impressions. I think the main plot, this is probably the correct story arc for a book about Death taking on an apprentice, right? Yeah. Like the apprentice winds up failing in some way and eventually chooses a mortal life. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it 
totally makes sense considering the story and especially considering Mort's character. And I think anything else wouldn't have felt as, I think, genuine. Satisfying? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. The natural feeling arc Mm -hmm. for this. Yeah. On the same sort of topic, the premise alone doesn't strike me as particularly funny in the way that, say, The Color of Magic did. Oh, yeah. I think that totally fair to say because it definitely seems more of like a straightforward fantasy with a bit of a humorous tone to it and not necessarily like a comedy book which is kind of how i would pitch the series to somebody if they had asked absolutely and i think we'll see a bit more of that as the series goes on so major concepts the nodes that were mentioned in the summary Mm -hmm. was an interesting thing but also just the basic idea that death doesn't have to turn up for everybody, but mm-hmm. he does have to be constantly doing his job, basically. Yeah, because whenever we get to see death or more having to do the duty, it's always very like fast and frantic, as if like there's just never enough time, despite the fact that they get to kind of exist outside of time. Oh, running jokes in this book itself... There's no justice, there's just me. Sort of a Mm -hmm. fairly understated gag. Mm -hmm. uh, Right up until it's sort of explicitly stated as there's no justice, there's just us. Yeah. But I appreciate it. Yeah, I actually was going to use that as my favorite quote for the week. Uh, Oh no! No, no, it's okay. (laughs) We can talk about it more later because I definitely have like lots to say on it. But I think it just, it works really really well and especially like the evolution of it in the book and that's all i'll say at the moment because we'll get to that later but but how about the the conclusion specifically what do you what's your take on how it ends i uh, i i i see the value in it uh like i i can see where that's supposed to be like a satisfying conclusion to whatever all those characters have been through but on the other hand, I don't know if I necessarily, like, love it. Uh, that's totally fair. Mort becoming the new Duke of Stohelet feels a little unearned considering he messed up big time. Yeah. But it does mean that they can have the correct course of history without the original Duke of Stohelet. Yeah, because part of when, like, getting towards the end of the book, part of me was thinking it's like, okay, like, Kelly and Cutwell are going to just like live in like time's world and because she can't go back really. And if he wants to be with her, then part of him will still exist in that reality. But it kind of felt like it fin- the, was trying to wrap itself up a little too nicely. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I worry that this might be a recurring weakness in the Discworld series. It's been a long time since I've read a lot of them, so maybe not. Yeah, and I will obviously have to get through more books, I think, to see if that's the case. But, like, as a writer, I can totally get the urge to, like, give that happy ending to your characters. And I think they do still, like, work for their happy endings, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just not sure if the ending they got was the nece- necessarily the one that they were working mm. for, you know? That sort of brings us to the characters, starting with the lead. So what do you think of Mort? 
I really liked Mort. He just, he works really well as this kind of like awkward, bumbling character who's smart, like a little too smart for his own good, but he's not like super obnoxious about it or like super gifted or anything. Mm. Like he just liked to read. He liked to know things. He was curious. And that was as annoying to the people around him as helpful it was for him. Yeah, he's not as well-defined as Rincewindor-esque, neither cowardly nor courageous, but he's reasonable, somewhat out of his depth, but capable of adapting to new circumstances. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think especially considering that, like, the passage of time is never really explicitly, like, explored in the book and, like, how much time has passed from when we start to the ending, but it definitely feels like more matures and I think considering that the age he's at in the book, because he's like a young to middle-aged teenager, I think it makes total sense for him to not necessarily be one way or the other, because a lot of teenagers are still kind of working themselves out at that point. Mm, that's a great point. I hadn't considered that. He's just reasonable and a little bit clever, but not excessively intelligent. Tries not to show off too much. I think I just understand his motives in a way that doesn't make it easy to spot specific character traits, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's totally understandable. And I think more out of all the characters lends himself really well to that because it's like, Esk is very like hard-headed and insistent and Ritzwind is very, very much so a coward. And Two Flowers, like overtly an optimist and because they all lean so strongly towards some aspect of their personality I, they almost kind of start to feel a little bit like characters like and not in a bad way at all because I adore all of them but more is definitely a lot more down to earth and genuine and human I think slightly bland protagonist type but it's not like that's still a useful thing and especially in like, I think in the context of the story where he's just a kid who is thrown into this insane world where he's an apprentice for death. I think having him be anything else would kind of disorient the reader because we get to see ourselves in Mort and do shared reactions with him about how we would be in that world. The book is more about the circumstances that Mort is in than him himself. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Do we want to do like Kelly and Cutwell and Isabel and all that? Yeah. I don't honestly know if I love Princess Kelly. Hmm. And it's not like I hate her. She just feels like the most out of place, I think, in like the main group. Interesting. I'm trying to think of like where I'm getting this feeling from. And I'm like having a hard time placing it. And I think maybe it's just because she is this like teenage girl who's coming into a position of power and she very much at the start of the book at the very least becomes like this object of Mort's affection mm -hmm. that it, she immediately felt kind of like the idea of a person and not necessarily a person. She's a lot more reacting to the things that are happening to her than making decisions, perhaps. Yeah. Her... Placement in the plot definitely sort of puts her in that role, but she still expresses herself very forcefully despite it. 
Absolutely. And it's like, I don't think that she's just like this empty shell of like a character or anything. I just feel like, you know, or I'll... Isabella is like very forward about how she does not like Mort until she does. Baka. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot of that with her. And even Cutwell is like, he's a lot, he's just like a typical wizard in the Discworld books where he's a bit of a coward and he's a bit of an oaf. And he's a, a schlub almost. Yeah, and it's like he's brilliant and part of him is incredibly charming to people. But <laughs> he's just kind of also like a bubbling fool. Cowell, I think, also has a similar thing to Kelly in that his uh, position in the plot means that he's more t- reacting than making mm-hmm. decisions. Yeah. But there's still an amount of personality there. Yeah. Because like we get to we get that scene where he's like is trying to make a firework and has never made a firework but has just been like expected to do this and he like burns his eyebrows off. And speaking of wizards, what did you think about Albert? I don't know. I I don't hate his character, but I think he just he starts off in this kind of like daisy aspect, I think, and then at the end of the book he's very much not that. And I feel like I didn't see enough of him in the middle. Part of that is disorienting to me i think is a good way to put it yeah i definitely think there's an element of his subplot that went in a direction very strongly and then like got cut off at the pass mm-hmm. feels like there was a another draft where he had a lot more stuff going on that a lot got cut oh yeah i the pacing of the book in general i found a little odd it's just because it's like by the like first third of the book, I was like, oh my gosh, like things are going to go really bad. And then I just kept waiting for like, okay, the ending is in like the next 50 pages. But I was like, oh, I still have like 125 pages left in the book. Also, just the whole scene at Unseen University. Oh, yeah. It felt like almost Albert was supposed to turn into a villain. Mm-hmm. But then Terry Pratchett decided that he liked the character. Mm-hmm. And wanted to bring him back to neutral to good without really finishing that arc that was started. Yeah, and I can totally see that because it's like, I'm totally fine with him being terrified of death. Like, I think that works extremely well. that's solid. But it's just like him, like, being like, hey, we need to summon death. We need to do something about it. And then, like, suddenly death is there. And then he's like, oh, can we swear on this show? Have we ever discussed that? I'd prefer not. Okay. Okay, that's fine. I was going to say something and then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to ask before I just start doing that. But he gets to the part where he's summoning death and then he just like panics and like immediately stops doing that. And it's like there was like no in between it felt like. Yeah. And also let's not forget the bit in the library where he... <laughs> Is planning to push Mort and Isabel off the ladder. Yeah. And then, like, suddenly that's just, like, not an issue anymore. Yeah. I mean, Isabel does mention that just death won't allow any, like, anybody to get hurt or anything in mm-hmm. the, this domain. Yeah, but... And, like, probably Albert knows that and is, like, just wants to scare them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just is a little off. Yeah, for sure. Oh, before we get too far away, Isabel, very different in this book than she was in The Light Fantastic. For sure. Gone from 
swinging a scythe at people to mm. just being like, oh, um, I wasn't just eating a whole bunch of chocolates while yeah. reading Harlequin novels. Yeah. She feels a lot more like a teenage girl in this one. And also, I think, meaningfully frustrated by yeah. having been a teenager for 30 years. Yeah. Like, like, God, that's not a fate I would wish on anybody. Yeah, that would be a rough existence. Before I forget, something I wanted to mention about Mort, his running gag of people not calling him by his name and him trying to correct them, mm-hmm. I think is indicative of he wants to feel like he exists in the world, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, he wants to make a mark, which ties into his big failure, which is saving Princess Kelly's life. Yeah. And that's the catalyst for a lot of the conflict in the story. Mm-hmm. And I think especially because all of the other characters just insist on calling him boy, it kind of like also plays into the fact that he is just like a very normal person in this very like fantastical setting. He is just a boy. He is not Mort, at least not until they get to the end of the book, where he like almost kind of like earns the right to be Mort. Indeed. Although there is one other place where he's called Mort Mm -hmm. specifically. And that's during the hiring scene at the beginning of the book. Oh, yeah. I totally know what you're talking about now. I was like, they do? Somebody calls him Mort, actually? Death addresses Mort by name in that scene. Mm-hmm. And one could like speculate that it's just Terry Pratchett hadn't thought of that running <laughs> gag thing. Yeah. like running, running gag slash arc words at that point. Didn't take the opportunity to introduce it earlier. But there's an interpretation where that particular scene before Mort makes the decision to accept to accept the apprenticeship, that that is taking place outside of his actual arc. Taking on the role jumpstarts his transition through the whole story. Hmm. I think that's a really interesting way to think about it. And I think that makes a lot of sense because like up until that point, like Mort is just another kid in that. In the Ramtops. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. Not really a villain in this story. There's the Duke of Stowhelet, who's the villainiest character. Yeah. He's just sort of there. They set him up to be like kind of a mustache twirling kind of villain. It's like very obviously not a good guy. That's just his, like, that's like his job title. That's what he does. Death himself sort of becomes a villain towards the end, fighting Mort. Yeah, I think obviously like we're obviously kind of supposed to see him as a bit of a bad guy there. But I think knowing what the other characters, especially Isabel, say about it in that in that moment, I don't know if he's necessarily like the villain. I think he is more of like a challenge. He's setting himself up as a challenge for Mort to become someone better and more mature sort of presenting himself as the final obstacle yeah this is definitely i think more of a person versus self story than it is a person versus villain yeah for sure because like the most like villainous thing really in the entire book is like time or like the bubble of the broken reality closing in but that's not like a real villain that's just an inevitable thing that's just happening in the world. But it's at the same time, this isn't really a person versus nature story. 
he made a mistake and now he is having to face the consequences for that mistake and it just happens to impact the world any minor characters that stuck out to you I am thinking of the wizards in the Unseen University. Yeah, Rincewind makes a cameo. Yeah. And I was like really excited. I was like, oh, Rincewind. And the orangutan librarian. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think, yeah. And it's like the wizards are just ridiculous. And the fact that they have to keep being like, oh, we did all that awful thing to a statue. And now he's here. Is he going to, like, destroy us? How was I supposed to know there would be consequences for my actions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> so I think they're the most notable minor character, honestly. The various people that Mort reaps during the story are also kind of nice little things. Yeah. The witch, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think all of those people are just, like, really nice, like, vignettes where we get to see, like, a little bit, a little part of the world. The abbot of mm-hmm. that one monastery. Mm-hmm. A very nice character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like referring to reincarnation as having a season ticket was a good yeah. gag. Yeah. But I think we haven't really gotten to the one character that this has sort of all been revolving around, which mm-hmm. is death. Yeah. Because this is the first book that really develops death as a character and turns him into or begins him towards mm-hmm. being... The character that is most everybody's favorite Discworld character. Yeah. And or like easily top five for most everybody. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because like Death is a very like notable character in a lot of ways. And not just because of the fact he's Death, but he's got this like kind of sort of grim humor about him. And especially considering like the way he's like actually written in the book where whenever he speaks... It's just in all caps, no quotation marks, no nothing. It's just a line in all all caps. It's like it, it makes him stick out a lot from the rest of the other characters. And that one line where he doesn't mm-hmm. is very much a oh, this is a thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. And when Mort does start talking in all caps, you sort of see what's going on. Yeah, the kind of like kind of sense of dread of like oh no, what's gonna happen if this continues. We also uh, see the return of him loving cats with mm-hmm. that scene in um, Ankh-Mor Park just after he hires Mort. Kind of a sad scene because the kitties. Yeah. 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 But I think it also makes a lot of sense for his character because it's not that just, oh, he really likes cats and cats really like him by the nature of who he is. But he also has this like sense of like, this very like black and white sense of right and wrong and like kind of what is necessary in the world and so to him like that scene this is like a a piece of like unjust cruelty and it's i think that kind of stuff like sticks with him i personally wonder you're right he does talk a lot about Mm -hmm. a very black and white view on Mm -hmm. things a very black and white outlook but I wonder how much of that is him trying to persuade himself of that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Or how much of it is like what he has to understand as part of being mm-hmm. death. There's some amount of doubt in him. Because there, there is some doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, because I think like, even though like death never says it or whatever, I think part of him does kind of want to be human. And he wants to know what that is like. So, like, when he's an Ankh, more pork, and he's, like, 
trying all these like guilty pleasures and all that stuff. He's like, he's trying to get that experience that he just part of him can't or doesn't want to have because he is death. Very true. And I'm just going to come out and say it. This is like a large part of all of the books that focus on him. Less becoming human and more humane. Yeah, I think it's a really good way to put it. So wrapping up the characters with the casting call, did you have your list? I don't know. I had like the hardest time finding anybody for Mort and Isabel. This is where I think you and I both reveal we don't consume a lot of media. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because like for Mort, all I could think of would be Rupert Grint circa like prisoner of azkaban yeah that's really excellent discworld's death has been played a couple different times Mm -hmm. yeah you gotta go with if you have if you can pick just anyone Mm -hmm. christopher lee did such a great job yeah that was my like gut instinct on it you could make a good case for james earl jones he would do amazing in the part Mm -hmm. though part of me kind of wants to see like a ted danson sticks out of my head a lot and I think if you just play this kind of like very straightforward, except when he's not kind of character, I think it could really work. I've only seen clips from The Good Place. I need to actually watch it. Oh, God, it's so good. Isabel. Mm-hmm. For me, she's a little old for the role now, same mm-hmm. as Rupert Grint, but Raven Simone. Oh, yeah. For Albert. So hear me out here. You want an <laughs> older actor who can start off being like very funny and sort of doddering a little bit, mm-hmm. but also can command a lot of respect and be very powerful. Mm-hmm. Jackie Chan. Oh my god. I am so on board with that. You have no idea. I adore Jackie Chan. <gasps> Same. Oh my god. <laughs> Princess Kelly. You want somebody that you can believe a teen boy would just fall in love with on the spot? Yeah. Lupisha Nyong'o. Oh, God. And she's, like, got this very kind of, like, regal and, like, well-trained sense about her that I think Kelly as a default has. And for Cutwell, you want Mm -hmm. somebody who just can really sell the whole constantly Mm put-upon, not dumb, but out of his depth always forever. Oh, yeah. John Mulaney. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he would be a good fit in there. (laughs) Although John Mulaney probably could also be Rincewind. Oh, I could take him for both. (laughs) I could believe him as any just mostly inept wizard. Yeah. Like partially inept wizard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a really accurate way to describe him. So. (laughs) I guess moving on to themes and morals. We've sort of covered the sort of conflict being largely internal. Mm -hmm. Although one could posit that death taking on an apprentice was Mm -hmm. less about anything to do with Mort himself and more just finding a potential husband for Isabel. Yeah. What do you think about that interpretation? I am totally on board with that because it's like it, it sh- they kind of show in the book like Death doesn't need an apprentice. He is like a being beyond time. Like at the when everything is gone and like all the people on the earth are like on on this world, sorry, are gone. He's going to be the one there to, like, put up all the chairs and turn off the lights and lock the door. A quote that Neil Gaiman would later borrow for Death of the Endless. It's a good quote. 
I would like to propose a slight tweak on that theory. Mm-hmm. I think maybe Death starts wanting that thing. Then yeah. once he gets, like, to spend some free time just doing other stuff, mm-hmm. he seriously considers just letting Mort take over as Death. Oh, yeah. I can definitely understand that interpretation of it because, like, calling back to what we talked about, part of Death doesn't want to necessarily just be Death. Part of him wants to kind of explore what humanity's got going on. So I think that makes total sense. I think it is more or less stated uh, that way in the book. Yeah, for sure. I just don't want this book to be like Death planned all of this out exactly the way Mm -hmm. it happened. Yeah. Because, yeah, because death is not omniscient. He is very much just, like, going along with the flow. And so I think for him to hit a point where he's like, oh, this could be different. It might be better. I think that makes a lot of sense. Is it in this book or is it a different thing that somebody says life is addictive and too much of it kills you? Part of me wants to say it's not from this book, but I know I've heard that before. Time is a drug, too much of it kills you, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but it it's indicative of mm-hmm. how death seems to experience life. It's just like, he can get hooked on it pretty easily. Life and emotion mm-hmm. and being something more than just a representative of the mechanical processes of existence. Like, that's a lot of... What Terry Pratchett does with the death of Discworld is explore the nature of something sapient that is in a force of nature role. Oh, yeah. That's a really good way to put that. I think the closest thing to like a lesson or moral that Mort could have is that kind of just like learn to roll with the punches. Just like things are going to go awry and just learn how to like, you know, deal with that and work around it. Now it's time to get into quotes, which is always a fun part. You wanted to talk about the there's no justice, yeah. just us yeah, scene, right? Unlike my like previous favorite quotes where I really like I adored like the prose and the way they were written and everything and really what they were saying in the context of the book was secondary to that. This one it's there's no justice, there's just us. I think is so impactful in the context of the story and especially its evolution throughout the story. It's like, I think it says a lot about death. I think it says a lot about more and I think it says a lot about the situations that they're in and for it to be just like this very like powerful line of what, five words or six words? I'm bad at math, but one of those two. There's no justice. There's just us. Six Six words. words, Yeah. So yeah, just to like put something so impactful in that few words and just being like that's just the fact of the situation i think it's like it's just so i think important to the book it's like a crucial line that's also a pun Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah because of course it's terry pratchett it has to be it's so friggin clever it makes my teeth hurt but uh what was your favorite quote for this one there's a bunch, mm-hmm. but I think I want to go with the whole scene in between Mort accepting the apprenticeship and waking up in Death's domain mm-hmm. when Death like takes him on Binky, oh, yeah. who's the best. Uh-huh. Oh, Binky. Let me just read this out a little bit to you guys. Mm-hmm. Death nodded and reined in the horse. It stood on the air, the great circular panorama of the disc glittering below it. 
Here and there a city was an orange glow, in the warm seas near the rim there was a hint of phosphorescence. In some of the deep valleys the trapped daylight of the disk was evaporating like silver steam, but it was outshone by the glow that rose towards the stars from the rim itself. Vast streamers of light shimmered and glittered across the night. Great golden walls surrounded the world. It's beautiful, said Mort softly. What is it? The sun is under the disk, said Death. Is it like this every night? Every night, said Death. Nature's like that. Doesn't anyone know? Me? You? The gods? Good, is it? Gosh. Death leaned over the saddle and looked down at the kingdoms of the world. I don't know about you, he said, but I could murder a curry. (laughs) That scene, like the visuals and everything, Uh like, stuck out to me ever since I first read this book almost a decade ago. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And, like, the I could murder a curry, like, it brings it back to the humor value. Mm-hmm. But also just, it's a very quiet, just tender, I get almost, moment between the characters and the reader. Yeah. It's taking advantage of the setting and the story and who these people are and where they are and what the physics of this universe are like. Yeah. And it's just like, this is part of the reason why people pinned down Mort as like where the series gets good mm-hmm. is because of moments like that that are just showing how this is really something special yeah and i think especially you describing it as like a tender moment it's that makes so much sense and because yeah it's just like you rereading that and i was like oh yeah like wow now that i've brought the pacing of this episode to a screeching halt <laughs> uh how about some funny moments Oh. oh, I'm having a hard time picking out a favorite. You go first. The running gag of uh, Cutwell talking about how uh, attraction is not good for wizard stuff. Mm-hmm. And the whole scene with Kelly's dress. And he's like, all we rubbish at magic for weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the one that's sticking out most in my head at the moment is when Moore and Isabel are going for a walk and they're just insulting each other. Until they get to a point where it's like, okay, we're good, right? We shouldn't get married if only for the sake of the children. <laughs> Shall we go into trivia? All right. So, published November 12th, 1987 by Victor Gonzalez in association with Colin Smythe. It ended up being 65th in the 2003 BBC Big Read survey. Mm-hmm. Highest ranked Discworld book. Really? So, your top 100 like favorite novels among UK readers. Not bad. Yeah. I'm still surprised, like, 65th is the highest it got. Discworld, I think, never reached, like, Harry Potter levels. I think that's fair, because Discworld is not a book written for children. Oh, this book has the first mention of Scumble, which is a running gag in the series. Mm -hmm. An apple-based alcohol, presumably based on uh, Scrumpy, a specific type of hard cider brewed in the English West Country. And Terry Pratchett mentioned in an interview being fond of. In the story, Death quotes two classic works. The line about time being an ever-rolling stream is from Our God, Our Help in Ages Past by Isaac Watts, and the one about a face that launched a thousand ships is, of course, Christopher Marlowe's The Tragical History of Dr. Faustus. Mm-hmm. couple callbacks to other books in the series. Mort's dad being a preannual farmer, mm-hmm. something that was mentioned in The Color of Magic, preannual wine. Granny Weatherwax is mentioned at one point as there's a tincture ointment or something that's like Granny Weatherwax's Ram Rub Invigorate and Passions Filter, one spoonful only before bed, and that small. 
Yeah, and then he goes like running out of his house and then jumps into like a trough or something. Oh, uh, the Sun Emperor and the Vizier Nine Turning Mirrors reference to the color of magic because that's set in Two Flowers' home country. Mm-hmm. We've already mentioned the Unseen University and the wizards there as a callback. The Orangutan Librarian. The librarian was, of course, turned into an orangutan in The Light Fantastic, but starts to come into his own as a character in this mm-hmm. one. He, he comes in time and again in the series. Very much a, a fan favorite. Mort, specifically, was adapted a couple of times. In 1994, as a graphic novel, Mort the Big Comic, there was a radio adaptation by BBC Radio 4. Narrated by Anton Lesser. One thing I do want to specifically call out is in 2007, there was a German stage musical adaptation, which I want to see, even though I speak zero German. Yeah, just for the experience of it. Just getting to see this as a musical on stage. You're in luck because there was an English musical adaptation in 2008 by the Youth Music Theatre in UK. And there was another production stage in 2011, directed by Luke Shepard. The Disney animators John Musker and Ron Clements, after The Princess and the Frog, they wanted to do an adaptation of Mort for Disney as an animated Mm. film. (laughs) Supposedly that got cancelled for various reasons. Supposedly, Terry Pratchett was asked to, to work on an adaptation, but play down the death aspect to cut out the death stuff so like and he was just like "Eh, no yeah it was like that's the entire book any last thoughts before we move to favorite footnote not that i can think of right now i will say that we've been a little bit critical i want to make it clear that i do love this story yeah same it's like i really love it i think it's a fantastic book even if i've got gripes about it but i think it's like i've got gripes about it because i do like it because I think if it sucked, I would just say it sucked and moved on. But it's important to be critical of the media you love. And I think especially like as creative people, we inherently like critique things we like because we want to figure out how it does the things it's doing. We're almost at the end, which means it's time for the favorite footnote. This is in reference to the first pizzas on the disc. The first pizza was created on the disc by the Clatchian mystic Ron Ron Revelation Joe Shawadi who claimed to have been given the recipe in a dream by the creator of the Discworld himself, who had apparently added that it was what he had intended all along. Those desert travelers who had seen the original, which is reputedly miraculously preserved in the Forbidden City of E, say that what the creator had in mind then was a fairly small cheese and pepperoni affair with a few black olives, and things like mountains and seas got added out of last-minute enthusiasm, as so often happens. Subfootnote. After the schism of the turnwise ones and the deaths of some 25,000 people in the ensuing jihad, the faithful were allowed to add one small bay leaf to the recipe. They're just really passionate about their pizza. I think that brings us up to the ending. Wanted to say thank you to Willow Carter for our theme music and to you for listening. Don't check your local library for the next book in this in the Discworld series. Because next month, we are going to be taking a slight break from the series proper for the next book. Mm-hmm. Get ready, because it's time for Good Omens. Ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> Me too. Until next time, the, the turtle, turtle moves. moves.